Ahoy there, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin. Thanks for checking out this, the second installment in the now ongoing series, The Last Ride. This episode is brought to you by our fabulous backers over at patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. Hey, do you like the fact that this show is supported entirely by fans and we don't have ads every two seconds? The reason is because of all of our lovely backers over at Patreon. And not only do you get the nice sense of satisfaction of helping out myself, Adam and Billy and get this show made, you also get access to hundreds of hours of content. Everything from the Smackdown crawl to video episodes to Q&As, commentary tracks, side series, special one-off episodes. There really is too much to list here. But hey, if for the Christmas season coming up, you would like to sponsor the caption contest get yourself a load of commentary tracks or hire me to do a voiceover greeting or use my voice in some manner spots are available and limited at patreon.com slash ae podcast but for now settle in and enjoy november's finest it's the last ride part two Welcome to the Adam Podcast, Bono Blue O Special Edition, and we're continuing the second to last ride. Hey, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> What's going on here? It feels like the closer to the end we're getting, the further away from the end we're actually ending up in. The fifth to last ride, is that going to be a thing? However, once again, it's me, Cow Goozle Kevin Mann, oh. joined as I am always in this look back at the twilight years of Mean Mark Calloway's storied career coming to something of a conclusion we're not entirely sure mm. yet i'm joined by my good buddy the man who goes to school to learn about respect i'm talking about old soup bones adam bibolo himself how are you doing <laughs> i'm good thanks pal i am enjoying this so much even if it is a very bleak very like illusion shattering documentary I had a lovely time recording this with you last time, and I'm very excited for this episode too. Yeah, we've learned a lot, not limited to that going out on your shield is actually a Spartan phrase, which yes. is, it means to go out on your shield. Because if you remember at the end of uh, 300, uh, at the end of 300, specifically at the end, yes. and he, he says again, this is Sparta, and he starts shield surfing. Hut, 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 no, hut. Well, that you're you're forgetting the bit where before that Leonidas was like shields. We don't need no stinking shields. And then they <laughs> threw a shield away. And then they said something about Owen Hart being a piece of shit as well, if I remember <laughs> rightly. We found out is the main thing. We know. Here we are now in the, the last ride. We are in November, which we decided <laughs> after Undertober to have as a recurring bit because well. You and Billy were knee-deep in Stygian and the hellscape <laughs> comics of the, of Undertaker and Image in the 90s. So you've had a little bit more than your fair share of Mark Calloway in your diet recently, Adam. 
I'm, I'm a bit full of Undertaker these days, yeah. Kevin. There's been a lot of Undertaker content going on because we decided to do Undertober. We d- we made that decision ourselves thinking this would just be a fun Halloween spooky thing to do. And then suddenly WWE turn around and they're like, we're going to do 30 Days of the Dead Man. And here's all this <laughs> new Undertaker content as well. Like, there is loads. Adam, you got to spare in mind. Survivor Series 2020, 30th anniversary, Undertaker saying goodbye in front of no fans. It's, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. And we know that obviously if you're listening in the future that that's definitely stuck now isn't it that was it that's that was it you know Mm -hmm. so i'm still you know still holding about one day that maybe undertaker maybe wrestle again someday but i don't know adam i really don't know i really don't know if the undertaker is ever going to wrestle again is he going to wrestle again there's either two things he stays with wwe and he gets dead man talking officially on the network yeah or i think the more likely one is undertaker starts a twitch service and goes to aew as mean mark calloway where he can live out the rest of his career doing whatever he fucking pleases i think that's really good and we'll finally get that mark calloway only fans that we've all been pining for <laughs> It's non-nude. It's just him with seductive chew and stuff like that. It's fine. It's nothing <laughs> lewd about it. Okay. So here we are. The second go-around. Where did we end off with The Undertaker? Watching probably one of the worst matches I've seen in modern times, as memory serves. Yep. It was. We watched the horrible, horrible match between him and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 33. And we saw The Undertaker backstage giving Triple H a hug and trying to convince himself that, like, yep, I'm, I'm cool with that. That's, that. that's it. Now I'm done. I'm no longer a wrestler anymore. And that's everything's fine. It's all good. According to Triple H, what we saw at WrestleMania 34 was a hell of a run come to an end (laughs) sure yeah and i mean you know if you're playing mario kart and you're having a fucking blinder i'm talking you're in front of everyone you you, nothing's happened for your whole race you're Mm. right at the front you're excelling and then right at the end you get a blue shell and you completely fuck up and everyone overtakes you in one embarrassment Mm. after the other and then like you have to get an injection into your car to get across the the finish line If, if triple h came up to you and said that was a hell of a run. You think he's being mean to you? It's the mm. same as if Luigi went up to you and said, "Hey, that's a pretty good." I'm like, shake that double dash <laughs> bullshit out of here. Wash your fucking mouth out, yeah. You're on the back of the cart this time. It it really felt like the moves were being scrambled even before he left the ring while he was signing and taking off that hat. It's like, okay, Plan B is coming, right? Surely. I sh- surely everyone could see that there's no way Mark's going to be happy with that performance and he's not going to go out on his shield like that. He wants to go out on his shield in a in a better way, like a Spartan would do. Don't write in. We know what it means now. Do you remember when the shield went out on their shields? <laughs> Did they ever have shields at any point, actually? There were going to at one point. Riot were. shields, right? They were going to have riot shields. With the yeah. That's in the original shield, a.k.a. Tumblr fan fiction shields, yeah. when it's just Dean Ambrose in a turtleneck and a subtle earring. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who's this? <laughs> I will say, before we get into the documentary, the first part of the, the last ride, it was obviously very eye-opening in many senses just because you were seeing this guy talking very upfront and very plainly, mm-hmm. which we never really saw. I would be probably wrong if I said that anything that anyone particularly said, maybe with the exception of Vince and stuff like that, but most of the things that were being said about The Undertaker, including from himself, were things that you reckoned about him anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I feel like 
we get all the revelations and new things that are like surprising to learn from mm. Mark and from Sarah. Yeah. And then everyone else that gets interviewed is just like, well, he's one of the greatest of all time. And like, oh, it's it's real hard to hang up those gloves after you've been going for so long. You know, it's stuff that you kind of could predict people are going to say. Yeah, like Bret Hart saying, he's kind of like Frankenstein. You can't really work with him. <laughs> you know? It's just a suit blow my brains out and work The Undertaker again. <laughs> <laughs> so coming into this episode and... You're watching these for another go around. I did watch these just for for shits and giggles when mm-hmm. it came out. Even though I know a lot of our listeners were coming to us when we released the first episode, they were coming to us saying, like, "Oh, I didn't want to watch that documentary. Yeah. Do I have to? I don't think you have to watch these documentaries to necessarily listen to these podcasts, you know." No. But the reasoning was pretty solid because they didn't want to see the curtain come down too mm. much. I think the problem there with, with thirty three that we had seen was that it was rushed out there. He was overweight. He mm-hmm. was needing a surgery that should have happened beforehand. Yeah. He, missed, he missed that window where he couldn't have had the surgery beforehand because the recovery would have been too long in the yep. stress of mania. And I just reckoned, as soon as that happened, that like when he was coming back there, they were like picking up the coat and gloves and going, right, plan, undo this. We need to mm. get back on top of things because we've just fucked up the Undertaker brand. I would have assumed it was all hands on deck. Uh, that's not really what happens. No, this is purely a personal decision from Mark's point of view. It kind of feels like WWE didn't really care about the quality of Undertaker's send-off. They were just like, we've got to give him a big send-off because it's The Undertaker, so out you yeah. go. And they don't really care any further than that. This is entirely down to Undertaker's personal feelings. And it's not crazy or wild to think that had it went somewhat better, or just the case that one of the parties wasn't so incredibly unsatisfied with the match mm. and- the 70,000 people and millions watching around the world were also not very obviously unsatisfied with the match. It's very easy to see that WWE could have been like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, they're happy with Kurt Angle's last match. Oh, jeez, don't remind me. I tell you who I feel bad for, though, is Roman, because no doubt about it, that was a bad match. It was was a shitty match. Not really Roman's fault. It was mostly down to Undertaker's inability (laughs) to to go. Didn't stop people blaming Roman on on social media, though, you know? But I feel like it's got to be so shit for Roman to watch this documentary and for, like, what was the biggest match in his career at that point undertaker just keeps shitting all over it every chance he gets yeah we start off eight months later with undertaker watching the match with roman with michelle mm-hmm. finally watching it after you know having not seen it at all since then very intriguing always about wrestlers who do and don't watch their matches back i know there's always the stories of ddp would immediately have be coming through the curtain and be like tape let's go and he straight away mm-hmm. like cool down he'd be watching back the tape and all that there's other people and it's like a point of like no i will never watch my never. matches back like mm-hmm. absolutely not and then as well as people like Austin and stuff, I was like, oh, I bet they don't watch their matches back. And then you actually listen and hear, it's like, yeah, no, he very much watches those matches back. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot to say about them. Take your here, fucking hell, it's it's sad to see. I, I, I know that he sold more watching this than he did for most of his career. Because <laughs> he's there like wincing, like, Arr, yeah. Arr, <laughs> He's having a bad time watching this. It's very uncomfortable. He can barely look at the screen. Michelle and a camera crew being there as well definitely isn't helping. Yeah, it's an awkward situation where he mm. makes various silly faces and makes... I mean, I'm no stranger to putting myself down when you're not feeling the best about yourself. But yeah. Undertaker, don't call yourself bloated Elvis. Jesus, Mary oh, and Oh, no, it's better than that. It's not all that bad. Late season Frasier still has you know, character and presence. You can have a dig at yourself, but still be kind of sexy, Undertaker, yeah. is what I'm saying. 
Fucking hell. So, he's just got one thing on his mind straight away from here, and it's, it is redemption, but with him, there is this kind of palpable sense that, uh-oh, I gotta redeem myself, but also, uh-oh, I am in no way, shape, or form yep. ready to actually do this. Mm-hmm. It's it's a big fucking challenge. He's just You've just realized that you had one of the worst matches in your career as your retirement, and the reason why it was so bad is because you're old and you can't go anymore, you're out of shape and you're broken, and now you want to try and do better than that? Like, there's a lot of work to be done. He describes again what happened at the end of WrestleMania 33, and he said, uh, I had a cocktail at the end of WrestleMania 33, which was searing pain, and crushing disappointment. Oh, oh, boy. Poetry. Right. I know they're bad. And, like, we watched the match last go around. And then they're recapping of it. I'm like, all right, you're kind of being very generous with your recollection mm. of what's happening here. They've done it again. Like, they're re- recounting what happened in the last episode with way more reverence than what actually... Big Show refers to Undertaker putting his coat and hat in the ring as, and I quote, a very religious reverence moment religious stop this stop it no you're working yourselves stop this i i mean religious being fair to the big show the icon like the iconography and the imagery of undertaker leaving his coat and stuff in the ring and then disappearing and like going down into the ground that is like in terms of his character and in terms of his significance to wrestling, that is an almost religious, like, oh my god, it's so powerful kind of thing. If it wasn't at the end of, like, the worst fucking match of what was a blown retirement that everyone knows is not going to stick. So, in a vacuum, yes, that is, like, a religious image and an incredible moment, but it simply isn't in reality. It's just part of a really crap WrestleMania ending. Wrestling doesn't take place in a vacuum. Like, how many times mm. have we talked about you know, WrestleMania 13 them trying to like force this clean, basic narrative that just does not fit? Mm-hmm. And like, what undoes the image of you know the very striking imagery and the legendary end to a career? I mean, if you ask me, you know, around the time of WrestleMania 25, where I think would have been peak Undertaker fandom, I was fucking mm. frothing at the mouth for everything that man did. I couldn't praise him highly enough in terms of an in-ring performer and character. And if you tell me, yeah, he's going to leave the hat and the coat in the ring, he's going to go down. I remember they had said they wanted to have, like, Ric Flair leave his boots in the ring or his robe in the ring when he Mm. retired at 24. But they're like, it would be a weird image because he'd have to take him out and then have the main event. Yeah. So, like, it's it's a great idea in theory. But what could undo the reverence and the religious nature of it? It is, as you said, everything that comes before it and during Mm. it, like, he's... He puts on the hat like he's a fucking children's party yeah. entertainer. He looks fucking miserable. He's like swollen up in the mat so much mm-hmm. that the hat is like resting on his head like a fucking beanie or something. Oh my God. <laughs> and Roman goes, you know, it's not perfect, but it's live. We were we were in the moment. I hazard to guess, Roman, that every time you've ever had a match, you were at that moment in the moment. Because that's how fucking time works. <laughs> Oh, I do feel bad for him. There was so much pressure about this match, and he can tell that it stank, obviously. He's got his fucking corporate potpourri bullshit nonsense speak mm. here. Like, just, I wish he could just say, wasn't what it should be. There was a time, Adam, when a wrestler like Roman would have been praised for going, 
I want to get my hands on him again, show him done right. You know, just anything yeah. that's like kind of doing a bit of business, brother, you know? it's. But no, you have to be so fucking reverent and holier than thou and all I that. I feel like it. that was just where Roman was at the time. Yeah. I feel like around WrestleMania 33, he was like chosen as the next top guy, but he definitely wasn't comfortable in that role yet. So he has to be all fucking corporate and like diplomatic like this. And Vince McMahon letting you know that he's not evil. We mm. care about the human first, then the character. Right. And then Oscar's the big boy. Boy. Hello, I'm Vince McMahon. Here's my new best friend, Adam Pierce. It's the Adam Pierce. What's Adam Pierce going to get up to this week on Monday Night Raw? Well, I can't quite figure out what's going to happen tonight, folks. <laughs> do, do you need water or anything? That is the driest sound I've ever heard. It is. It's dry. It's very dry indeed. Vince, come on now caring about the character after they care about the human being oh i mean i can think of lots of instances of that not really being the case in wwe less dramatic cases than than this honestly there's a lot of like vince mcmahon stuff in this documentary that i don't 100 percent agree with and i really feel like they've tried to gild the lily so to speak and make out like that vince is actually this humanitarian great boss that actually cares about his employees well-being hey you know it's very powerful when vince like tears up and stuff like that and this but i have to remind myself i was saying to myself that was really powerful when i saw the mcmahon dvd which came mm. out in 2005 which in case you've forgotten is 15 years ago mm. <laughs> you know it is it is scary to think but i mean I'm not saying they're crocodile tears. I'm not saying that Vince doesn't feel this way. But, like, to say that you default care about the human being first, then the character, I would argue even you would care about the company, then the human being, then the character. <laughs> yeah, legit, actually. If you would look like something like the Montreal Screwjob, and I hate to be someone mm-hmm. who uses that as an example for anything, but they're very much were caring about, or not caring about the character well mm-hmm. before the human. That was, you know, put out of whack and out of sorts completely. So, you know... Taker, though, when they see him after that match at 33, I was shocked to see how fucking genuinely happy he looked at him. Yeah, I get. I think we talked about this last time that, like, quality of the match notwithstanding, there was a sense of relief because it was like, I've been putting off my retirement for years now and I'm scared of doing it. And now he's done it and it's like, fine, it's out the way with. And he says here that now it's time to start enjoying his family life, spending more time with his kids and just doing all the things that a dad who's retired should be doing now. And I'm like, mate nowhere near that yet Fucking hell, you still got saudi arabia this is before the saudi deals are even inked like, yeah exactly this it's so he's such like a i don't say he's a pawn but he has to be aware what like kind of particularly as it relates to saudi arabia like how aware do you think he is of his value and the fact that the saudi deal only seemed to be really worth anything because they thought they were getting the Ultimate Warrior, Yokozuna, Undertaker, yeah. Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, you know, all these like stars of the mid-90s, whatever the fuck it was they were expecting. He definitely knows his value in that respect, but I feel like, I mean, we'll get into the, the, the next episode is going to be the Saudi episode, folks. We'll do a deep dive there. But I, I feel like porn is a very, very appropriate term for Undertaker, actually. Like, I do feel like he gets manipulated way more than he realizes, even. Yeah, Jesus, that's re- that really does remind me of the Louis through porn episodes, particularly little elements of this. <laughs> I meant porn, P-A-W-N. Let's be clear, folks. Yeah, but Undertaker's there, like the guy in Louis through, like, but I'm not going to you know, do any gay stuff, man, or anything like that. You know, and here he is, like, Yo, I'm not going to be wrestling at WrestleMania 34. And, like, <laughs> and were you wrestling at WrestleMania 34? <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> and there's a long pause and there's a kind of like a oh, little bit chew comes out like and Louis Louis's like are you satisfied with your match at Wrestlemania 33 <laughs> and then he says he was going to be a parody of himself you know because mm. that's another company that does those porn parodies and it's not with Louis <laughs> <laughs> hey speaking of not wanting to become a parody of himself it's the Undertaker in New York City look at now I know you'd be loving this shit right here. Undertaker in a big limousine. I don't want to be a parody. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, three through the mix. <coughs> Jumping on the Limp Biscuit mix. I'm excited, Limp Biscuit. I know. We'll get there soon, buddy. He doesn't want to be a parody. Yeah, we, we've hit our quota. We've said it for this episode now. Well done, Mark. We'll see you next time. Well, I always thought he wanted to be a parody. That's funny now. He does <laughs> interesting. Do you, do you see where he's going now, Kevin? Where he's off to? Yeah, he's got a big surge of excitement because he's got a big surgery to kind of take place. Do you see the name of the hospital that he's gone to? Oh, what was it? Mark Calloway Memorial or something like that? The Hospital for Special Surgery. <laughs> it's like from a kid's show. Well, in fairness, you can't do a regular surgery on The Undertaker. He's blooming nah, dead. as special as they get, mate. He's the phenom. I mean, where else are you going to go? Now that Paul Bearer has passed, that's the only place that is the license for those chemicals, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, he's there in pre-op. Drink your sarsaparilla. <laughs> <laughs> he has had this exact same surgery already before on the other hip. Yeah, and, he, and it did wonders for that hip, so he's excited to have it done again and be without any hip pain at all. Pretty much one of the most, like, deep surgery, like, one of the kind of deepest into the body surgeries he could do. He's literally replacing mm. the, the ball and socket joint of the actual hip. Yeah. It's a really, really, like, high-risk surgery for many reasons. Respect, yeah, Obviously because... You have an implant that's going in. They coat it with cells from your body so mm. that your body won't reject it. There is always a chance that can happen. And because it's so deep down, like and you see where they cut into them, you're going into your hip and you might mm -hmm. kind of feel like, oh, there's my hip there. Feel the side of your hip bone right now. Feel it. <laughs> feel the, the socket in there now. That's that. That's quite deep in there, says William Regal on 2014 NXT commentary. So, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. I don't think Big Show had this surgery recently. Right. And they left tools in them. And that's why he Sorry, was gone. Sorry, what? Yeah, Big Show had an infection after one of his surgeries. I think they left a tool in him, was, was what I heard. And oh, Jesus! Adam, it's it's incredibly common. It's exceptionally common. It's one of the I, most common things that can happen post-surgery is a complication. I've heard many, many stories about things getting left behind inside the person, but I would have thought, like, an incredibly wealthy athlete like the Big Show wouldn't be having surgery that would, like, be prone to those kind of mistakes. It's so big, though. There's loads of, like, places you can go missing. Like, honestly, it's 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 a big zone. Yeah, his, uh, his gen... <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it. Forget uh, it. Finish your words. No, no, no. Because his surgeon didn't need a lifeguard, so there's no point even bringing it up. Like, it doesn't make sense. His anesthesiologist needs a lifeguard. There we go. Fine. We go. Fine. I, I couldn't let that not go. It's a tough surgery just because you're going very, very deep down mm. and you are replacing something that has a lot of stress on it in the body. You know, the hip joint for Undertaker. Everything from the fact that he can run like he can, his footwork, his ability to leap. All that is determined... Mm by his hips so in many senses this is him saying i'm not going to be able to get back to where i was like this is you know you're losing maneuverability you're losing mobility when you get a surgery like this like it's kind of a permanent kind of like when you get your neck fused it's it's an admission yeah. of you're going to be 
You know, Undertaker ain't going old school ever again, folks, you know? But, I mean, the, the trade-off was worth it, like, because even him fucking walking down to the ring last year at WrestleMania, you could see him limping, he had that huge heat pad strapped to himself all the time, like, this is about as necessary as it gets, not just for wrestling, but for, like, comfortable living. He needs this. You need a new hip. Exactly. So we have a, a chat here about some of his previous surgeries. He counts 15 major surgeries. Mm. Uh, I... I Picked up a few that I could as Mark mm. mumbled his way through. Blew out both of his eye sockets. Now, when he said that, I couldn't stop laughing. Because I thought it was like, you know, when you go to have a big sneeze and you pinch your nose. And and your eyes. And what it was, was uh, I think it was Mabel. I'm pretty sure it was Mabel. Did a leg drop on Mabel and Yokozuna? That was it. They did this gimmick where they did leg drop. And, you know, they both took leg drops in Undertaker, and then you had to wear the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, mask. it smashed his orbital bone. He had the awesome yeah. mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was because of it. I I thought it was one. I didn't realize it was both. I'm not mm. sure if that was a separate instance. He talks about shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. He had a rotator cuff. He had pec repair surgery. He had bicep tendon repair. Mm-hmm. His knees have been scoped. He has broken all of his fingers. Yeah. You need a new body, is what I'm saying. <laughs> There's a bit where he's like holding his hands out and Michelle's going like, in case it's not clear, he's trying to extend all of his fingers now and he just can't do that. And his fingers are like all gnarled and like pointing in different directions. Oh, as I say, he was doing a great Mr. Burns impression there. It's like, <laughs> this surgery is going to be excellent. Oh, he's trying to hold him up straight there, isn't it? I mean, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, Undertaker here is... To say he's a patchwork quilt, my childhood bear Teddy Wolf similarly was put through the ringer and he fucking... Please send me your bones. Oh, jeez. I'm just kind of like surprised in that Undertaker's someone who we have known has like had surgeries and all that. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what you think about this. I think it's because of the way that he's talked about in commentary and because he's not part of the pool of talent where you can talk about... Hey, I'm Seth Rollins, I injured my knee, I'm coming back yep. now, this is what happened in the death. Taker's never really had the announcers say, kind of ever, hey, you know, he's needs his knees, he needs a new knee, he no. needs to get something scoped or he's fucked up his fingers or anything like that. No. I mean, when he wore the mask, it was implied that his face had been damaged or whatever, but I was quite shocked to hear the number of surgeries. And I'm actually, in some way, I was surprised. Like, 15? That's fuck all. But when it heard what they all were, it's like, these are all major. Major. Like, major, yep. major, major. It's hard. Yeah, it's it's like you say. They can't damage the mystique of the character by saying, like, Undertaker's injured again. He's gone to have this surgery. Like, so they just don't tell you. He just goes away and you don't know about it. And then you hear this huge list get rattled off here and you see him with his fucking fingers pointing in different directions and he's wincing at everything. Like... The dude has been through way more than the average fan would actually appreciate just going off of what you see on screen. It's it's almost overloaded. I don't think I can actually process... Because, you know, I always think back to 98. It's like, you know, Hell in the Cell. He was working with a broken ankle. He's, yeah. he, he's a guy who, according to Big Show, was coming out of both ends on ECW and Sci-Fi. <laughs> Still trying to search that one down for you. We need to find that. It's a bonus episode. Rundertaker. <laughs> so, Taker's some, talking some smack about Vince here. He's like, well, that old man rings me up and he said you leaving the same day i'm like come on man if i leave the same day i gotta you know leave at 5 p.m it's only a two-hour recovery i'll get i'll get blood clots man but uh 
He's funny. This is one of the things where it, like th- these things all add up to me where it's like Vince doesn't care about you as much as you think he does. Like I know that everyone says like they would both take a bullet for each other. I think Undertaker would take a bullet for Vince. I don't know yeah. if Vince would take a bullet for Mark though. Like Undertaker's interpreting this as a joke, but Vince is the kind of guy to be like, so when are you getting out of hospital? When are you flying over? Like I don't think he's kidding when he says stuff like that. So what a, what what's a few blood clots between friends? Haha. <laughs> Seriously uh, though, are you getting on the five ten? Because I've got you to you know flights booked. It's, legit. It's it's not the relationship I thought. I would have thought there was a lot less of this kind of gentle like haha, you know, a little bit kind of bullying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't say bullying. It's not right to call it that because obviously there's a respect there amongst them as as colleagues and and peers and as a you know boss father son fucked up mm. relationship. But I didn't expect it. Here we go. I didn't expect to be quite the level of razzing yes. that there is. And also as well, I was not expecting for The Undertaker to be as sensitive as he is. Yeah, he is. And that's what I mean. I feel bad for him. His relationship with Vince, I don't <laughs> think it goes both ways like he thinks it does. Yeah, you know, I, I, I should have been surprised The Undertaker being as sensitive as he was, but the sensitivity of The Undertaker's fans notwithstanding, I maybe <laughs> should have maybe factored that in a little bit, shouldn't I? Very sensitive indeed, aren't they? Do you like The Undertaker's special hat they had for his surgery? His little beanie he's got on. Boop, boop, boop. You know, I do a little, you know... Do a little soup bone, you know, pose for a few pictures. And what that was is Big Show came to visit him in the hospital earlier that day and he took his hat off and put it on him like the little girl in the crowd. <laughs> Michelle McCool, she's 100% behind everything here. She's like, you know, the the, the model wrestler's partner here, you know. Mm. Stand by your, your, your wrestling partner, help yeah. no matter what. She's there for him. Although the subtitles tell a different story, Adam. I don't know if you had captions on for this. Oh, I did not. What happened? So Michelle said, I trust Dr. Sue. She's laser focused and I expect a good recovery. But the subtitles said, I trust Dr. Sue. He is laser focused. I expect a bad recovery. Oh, Oh, you fucking kill me. Which one is it? Which one is it, Michelle? Is she in there? Wait a minute! That's Michelle McCool! What's she slipping to the ref? The referee's calling off this surgery! No! Not this one! Now hold on a minute, player! Anesthetic has been banned in the Smackdown Operating (laughs) Theatre! No anesthetic! (laughs) He sits up then. (laughs) This bit here, when he's going into the operating theatre now, and he's about to have surgery. Yeah, I, I guess him being the Undertaker, this may be exciting for him. I couldn't think of anything more terrifying. I, I've been to the hospital before, and I know what it's like when they put give you anesthetic and they're putting you under, and it's like, okay, I'm going to start counting down, and in a minute, you're going to suddenly lose consciousness. And I found that quite scary and quite jarring. Never, I've never been put under. I'm jealous now. If they'd have been playing the fucking Undertaker's theme music while that was happening to me, that would have been full-on panic attack time. He's going under, and they're playing... <laughs> It's definitely your favorite YouTuber who's got a flying V guitar, like you know, doing his, his, his <laughs> cover of it. You know, a, a quick little, uh, quick little down with the devil symbol, and then let's get into the business of hand of the theme. You know, speaking of music, it's music to my ears once they start bopping him with that hammer. That was a fucking. That was a. That's a. That beat was tight, Adam. Let's hear that again, then. Let's hear it. I was thinking there was literally there was one of Penn and Teller's old TV shows would start off with them chiseling like dunk dunk dunk. <laughs> now we were wondering last go around if the drill would be a 
It's that one. It's that one. Uh, this I nearly put this forward for the caption contest. The fucking ex- <laughs> the exposed joint with a drill going directly into the bone. <laughs> it's, folks, we need to put over just how graphic this is. Like you see everything here. Crack the ribs like a rusty drawbridge. <laughs> <laughs> We see a chisel being hammered directly into the bone. We hear the scraping of bone and flesh. We see his flesh being pulled open with big pincers. It's horrible. I was a frequent watcher back in the the lazy days of boarding school. I used to watch I Want a Famous Face on MTV. (laughs) So for whatever reason, I've watched... And also as well, you know, my parents used to watch things like, you know, Casualty and like a lot of like medical mm. drama and stuff. And a few times my dad being a doctor would put on like this kind of medical like review stuff that he would actually have to watch. So right. I've seen a lot more Viscera. No, not that. The other Viscera. <laughs> it's Viscera! <laughs> and I think I've seen a lot more of, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of dissections and stuff of animals and organs yep. you know so I, I feel i'm used to the viscera a bit more than the average person it really fucking turned my stomach this just because of like it's it was like he was a tree or something that they were fucking chopping <laughs> down just that yeah really fucking getting in there they were going for it and the camera like i say it's like a horror movie the camera is right in there like look at that oh it's horrible i did like undertaker spinning his cool hip widget in his hand afterwards and he's like cool (laughs) he was really pleased with that the doctor shows him like this is what's in your hip now and undertaker's like fucking playing with it spinning it around and this is what it's in your blood now it's a big fucking morphine needle <laughs> so it's time for a little bit of recovery with me and Mark Calloway. He doesn't quite realize it yet, but he's exactly following the exact, exact, exact path that he mentioned was the vicious circle that he was trying to escape mm-hmm. from before WrestleMania 33. Ah, going yep. into recovery now after surgery you put off before the match. Interesting. He's walking around saying, like, oh, I can already feel that I'm pain free in my hips now. And Michelle looks anxious and she's already worrying now. She's like, I can see where this is going. Cut to Mark saying like, ah, I've changed. I've changed. It's fine. So this is just a hip surgery just to make life better. And then I can carry on retiring. You know, if you have a good recovery, it's an inevitable return to the ring. That's exactly where it is. Because like what do you expect to happen? It's either the recovery doesn't go according to plan and you have much less mobility. Mm -hmm. Or the recovery goes, you know, good to very good. You know, it's, it's a success under any kind of categorization of how an operation can go. Well, he's going to be better feeling than he was at WrestleMania 33 when they had him in the main event against Roman Reigns. You know, it's just like, it's very inevitable at this point. Because if he feels remotely better, he's going to go and do something that's like lower pressure than he did last go-round. Obviously, yeah. he will. It's A lot of people are saying like, oh, com- comparisons to Terry Funk that they saw here. And I spent a lot of time reading about Terry, you know, in the last year because we did a How To Wrestling episode about him. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot more to Terry and his methodology, a method to his madness, I would say, than you would have thought from just seeing him appear once a year to moonsault off a ladder and, you know, be 70. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Terry Funk was ever going through the agonizing and the anxiety of like, oh, no, I'm not coming back. But maybe I am. There was no doubt in his mind always that it was inevitably. Mm. Like he knew this was the business. This is the money he's going to make. And that's how it's going to be. I kind of feel bad for Michelle that she's put through this bullshit because she's kind of bought the, oh, no, he's going to be different. And he's going to retire like Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And it's going to be OK. Uh, 
honestly like I, I keep feeling that throughout this entire series of like poor michelle keeps thinking like okay now i've got my husband full time he's not gonna have to train he's not gonna have to go through rehab we can just be a family and every fucking time it's like mm, actually i didn't like that last match so i need to have another one now just to be on the safe side he is loving life living laughing and loving as only the undertaker mm-hmm. can playing basketball just you know showing up being guys being dudes on the you know, former wrestler circuit. He was showing mm-hmm. up on Instagram. He was showing up, you know, it's like, hey, Undertaker, he's training, things like that. I do think that Michelle does deserve at this point a medal of sorts because promises were definitely made with regards to yes. what was happening here. And I hate that wrestling's one of these places where if the really dangerous thing that you said that will be the last thing that you do, if that goes badly that means you're more likely to do it again as opposed to like yeah like yeah what the fuck what's the old is there any scenario in the world where that match happens at 33 and then he goes i'm done great job everyone and him he retires and him and michelle head off into the sunset because i don't think so i i would like to think that genuinely if they'd have had like an absolute barn burner like somehow they managed to have like a wrestlemania 25 hbk level undertaker match and Undertaker did all that big deal stuff at the end where he leaves his coat and his hat in the ring. Yeah. I feel like he would be like, well, that was a good match and I did all that shit at the end. So that has to be it now because that's as good an ending as you can get for me. He didn't get a good ending though. And that's what stuck in his crawl. There's no way that ending was happening without an extra half inch added on to that hat. I'm just saying. And yes, I know <laughs> it goes up in eighths of inches because I used to work in a tailor's that also had a milliner's, a milliner's attached to it. So I've dealt with the small heads of many men over the years. Now, I want to warn you all right here that there will be some semi-extended talk about T-shirts right now. Okay? Oh, no, 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 Kevin. No, no, Adam. Kevin. I think it's just fair that what we're going to do right now is we're going to say this is going to happen. And you can skip it all, all right? You can you can skip it all, and it won't... See if I can. No, no, I'm giving... I'll, you can skip it all, all right? We'll, we'll let you know here now. Hey, Kevin and Adam in the future, how far forward should they skip? Hey there, listener. Want to avoid all this horrible t-shirt chat? Ugh. Skip ahead approximately six and a half minutes. Bye. All right, there you go now. And we're just going to... Okay. We're going to get on and do this. If you believe leave the t-shirts out of it, mate, then yeah, skip ahead to the time That's code totally you mentioned fine. a second ago. It's fine. All right, We're... fine, fine. Lay it on me. It's okay. It's just controversial stuff. Adam, I found a, such a fucking rabbit hole. And I think like mm. the, the thing about the t-shirts is, is that I really, really, really am conscious of the fact that if I went on this rabbit hole now and people would think, oh, he's just doing this to make a political point. It's not, it's just genuinely, I was so interesting that it turned into a rabbit hole. So now that well, yeah, they're, all, say, they're all gone now, we can have fun with it, right? Politics aside, we have got precedent for being fascinated by Undertaker's t-shirts. One time on the SmackDown crawl, if you've not heard it, he came out on SmackDown wearing a Crime Inc. t-shirt in the same font as Dead Man Inc. And we were like, oh, was this the thing they did before Dead Man Inc.? Now it turns out Crime Inc. is a real-life biker brand that he just nicked to Yoink. make into Dead Man Inc. <laughs> so there is an interesting history of Mark Calloway's fashion choices already. And I feel for you, you know, I feel for those folks who've not listening at the moment because, you know... They can't hear this. They, I feel for them, they can't hear this, but also as well, Adam, it really, in the last, you know, seven or eight years of us doing this podcast, it really came out of left field, this whole policy 
politics stuff. Like it was a great yeah. We just turned all of a sudden. A, didn't a great we? smoke screen went up in that first episode, and we we dropped the smoke screen very very recently. You know, we used to be like super right wing back in the early days, and like not very outspoken about it. But it was pretty clear if you listen to it, it's like this is a Republican wrestling podcast. And then just like that overnight, we just fucking changed, man. Um, what originally the plan was here, right? It's because Undertaker's wearing a T-shirt that says Nine Line. Okay, mm, and I was nine line. nine line. I was like nine line. What nine line? What's that? It was just a helicopter. And I thought, right, okay. we had a lot of controversy last time about the t-shirts. I'm not going to bring up the fact that he was already wearing the thin blue line t-shirt that he already wore in Again. an earlier bit. Yeah. No point in repeating that. But so I thought, what I do instead is I talk about like helicopters from the 90s that we all remember and we all really enjoy. Like you know, I guess it's 80s, but like Airwolf. Remember? You know, that was yeah, that was fun. Was it Benji? Was he the helicopter with the face on it? I can't remember. Budgie. Budgie! That fella. Oh, no, I don't yeah, like him. Freak. I'd, I, Weirdo. If you cut him down the middle, it'd look like Billy Roll. That's what my theory is about Budgie. <laughs> like he's, a, he's a firm <laughs> It's faces all the way through. Like. Don't like him. Don't like him. Uh, <laughs> other famous... You remember in Street Sharks, they had their friend who, yep. who, who was the, the human and he would have a cool little contra- contrabious flap traction. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that Nine Line... And this only happened after I looked at some of Undertaker's other shirts later on. Mm. Adam Undertaker, I think, has gotten a deluxe, you know, six for five selection from Nine Line, which is... Are they all Nine Lines? Adam, that's patriotic clothing, NineLineApparel.com. Do you want to know some of NineLineApparel.com's other t-shirts? Go on, then. Stomp my flag, I'll stomp your ass. (laughs) Land of the free, because of the brave. I stand, in capital letters, for our national anthem. Share a round with ISIS that's done like share a Coke. What? But instead of a Coke, it's a it's a bullet. Oh, a round, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Share good a round. God. Dropping warheads on foreheads since 1947. Yeah, for this is a particularly fuck's good one. Sake. Right, all I'm saying is, here are the ones he didn't wear. All rifles matter. Are you kidding me? So what, what was that warheads one again? I really need to hear that again. Dropping warheads on foreheads since 1967. So you're, you're proud of your nation's history of bombing other countries. You want that on a yeah. t-shirt. America, whooping ass and preserving freedom since 1776. And if you disagree, I'll fucking bomb you, mate. Red, remember everyone deployed. That's a nice, that's nice, isn't it? There's one here of a Spartan shield with an American flag that says, it's better to die on your feet than live on your knees. Mm. Uh, sorry, I just realized every single one of these, if you say, if you say them with like, look, I'm Zeb Colton now, listen to this. Stomp on my flag while I'll stomp on your rear end. I stand for the national anthem. Jack Swagger stands for the national anthem. Family, faith, friends, flag, firearms, fat things you do not mess with in Jack Swagger's America. Welcome to America. Family, faith, friends, flag, firearms. Now, what I like about this, Adam, is that it's family, faith, friends, but flag singular. Oh, yeah, there's only one, mate. Well, no, you can mess with some flags, like Hacksaw Jim Duggan in WrestleMania 3 when he comes out and he, like, sets fire to the fucking Russian flag. And he's like, you can't talk shit about America. He's like, ripping it up, ripping his ass or whatever. <laughs> so family, faith, friends, flag, firearms. The five things you don't mess with. Now, the other thing that was quite interesting about this is that Nine Line is no shortage of controversy themselves. Because oh, dear. Nine Line, one of the people who they're linked up with, was a former Navy SEAL who was convicted and kicked out of the seals for war crimes because war crimes he killed a teenager then posed with the body and uh, jesus one of the guys working there with uh with nine line but departing president in 2020 
he had him pardoned, you see. Of course he did. Of course he did. So, so yeah, there's there's that. And the other thing, I was going, I've read out most of the t-shirts on the collection there. And I didn't read out the ones that Undertaker wear. It's like, you know, the Blue Lives Matter, mm. the one of the American flag with the, the blue line under it. There's the conservative cartel club later on as well. <laughs> Classy stuff. There was one here I saw, which was Dear America, DailyRants.com. And it has a microphone on it as well. I'm like, oh, are we... Boy. We, is Dead Men Talking be preempted here oh, now? No. Is, is me and Mark going to talk about the Second Amendment? Okay. So I went on to DailyRants.com and surprisingly, Adam, it is an unsecured website full of like code line and just, you know, doesn't, doesn't exist anymore. What? If I click here on Nine Line onto the Dear America product, mm. whoa, there are no products in this collection. It's been removed. And I tried to look up Daily Rants. Everyone's got Daily Rants. But I did manage to find the Daily Rants that was a video podcast series associated with Nine Line that they used to share okay. until the guy who did Daily Rants filed a restraining order against Nine Line oh, for trying to steal his brand and identity. So, uh, wow. Yeah. Trouble in paradise for the Nine Line company, mate. And we're, we're back there now. It was just t shirts. Like, you know, that was all it was. We were what just can- chatting about t shirts. What's your favorite t shirt? Write in. Uh, my favorite t-shirt is Michelle McCool's God is Dope t-shirt. Wait, now if we're getting... Right, okay. Skip ahead again no, if you don't want to hear about the this God is, is just, Dope. It's God is Dope. No, because it's religion and it's got drugs in it. Dope. So it's, it's two <laughs> fucking contentious things together there, okay. Kevin. Be careful. Oh no, even more t-shirts and shit. Oh no, skip ahead roughly two minutes and you'll skip all of it. Bye. So God is Dope is a is a brand that has actually attracted its own fair share of controversy online. Jesus wept. And no, 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 no. I'm saying this now because both sides, right? You'd be pissed off if you were someone who was like, you know, right-leaning. You know, if you were, mm-hmm. were right-leaning and you despise certain things like socialism and stuff like that you'd, you'd want to know this this is actually yep. relevant to your interests so god is dope is a brand that's attracted controversy and i found this out from ruining my youtube recommendations by reading oh. and watching a lot of christian youtube blogs in the last couple of days mm-hmm. adam they've caused controversy in the christian community because they're not actually a christian brand and oh, if you ask them on same. Twitter or Facebook or in their store, they'll say things like God is love and God is dope and God is everywhere. But they won't tell you they're Christian, even though their website uses imagery and iconography that has been stolen from the Christian faith, such as a backdrop on their website that is clearly the Garden of Eden. Now, <laughs> it's very popular with Christian celebrities. Michelle McCool is right. obviously high profile enough, mm-hmm. but we got a lot of like Christian athletes, Christian rappers, you know, NFL players, you know, mm. mainstream musicians, actors who are wearing these items of clothing and it, it blew up huge. The guy who designed them is actually from Venezuela, the socialist paradise. And after reading a long interview with him, I can only surmise that, yeah, he figured out that if you wrote God is dope on a shirt, a lot of people would buy it and more power to him. But I feel bad though because adam you know it means a lot to people and it's sad to see michelle mccool get doped by god is dupe you know it's not nice (laughs) it's not nice to see but it's happened and uh god is dope damn well okay right there we we can officially draw a line under the t-shirt chat everyone come back come back in you're all allowed to listen again now okay we're done with that got it all out of our system 
If you want to hear anything about flags, Christianity, firearms, then go back and check it out. But in the meantime, on the last ride... Hey, Adam, if you want to talk about t-shirts, why don't we talk about teespring.com slash stores slash AE podcast. Am I right? There are t-shirts available, which maybe we should have like family, faith, friends, the Attitude Era, Vince Russo's booking, five things you don't fuck with. Glargay is dope in big letters. <laughs> Talk a little bit about how The Undertaker and Michelle McCool fell for each other. Yeah, he goes out of his way here, which is actually quite nice. He puts over how supportive and strong Michelle is, how much she's had to put up with, and all the things that she's taught him. She's taught him how to appreciate the valuable things in life because he lost his way, so to speak, for a while. When they talk about him losing his way, they kind of show some clips of him from specific time periods, specifically like 96, 95, mm-hmm. and also like 98, 99. I'm like, all mm. right. What's going on there exactly? Uh, she says that uh, he's romantic, mm-hmm. you know, that, that he did try and woo her and all that. And, you know, he's very kind of sheepish about the whole thing. And then he's there looking to camera and he goes, you know, Michelle's giving me so much, but um, I don't want to water up here. But uh, blank look, deep nasal sigh. No worries, Mark. And that's it. <laughs> no tears coming. <laughs> so the love story. Baby, I want to throw a football from a rose with you. Now that your point guard is in bloom. She knows how to throw a football, right? Yeah. Now, and that's when he fell for her. When you fell for Alice, did she throw a ball of any sort? Or, you know, was that kind of precipitatious? No. What's my equivalent of that? She liked coffee and she didn't freak out when I told her I did a wrestling podcast. Ah. That's the closest equivalent I can come up with. Joe showed me Bovril on like her second or third date and that was pretty... Showed you Bovril. Showed <laughs> Look me. at I, this. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't ready yet to eat it. Like, and you at home, you're not ready either, okay? Don't Bovril before you can marmise, okay? The phrase that Undertaker has for a bad football throw, did you hear it? No. A couple of wounded ducks being thrown there. Oh, wounded ducks. Yes! You like that, yeah? Yeah, Undertaker, when you throw a, a ball like that, you go, and then like, put up a big happy face like the, the duck hunt dog. So, old Undertaker starts uh, putting on the charm. Oh, yeah. It's time to get seduced by the Undertaker. Adam, I've got a couple here, but... What would you say the main moves of the dead man would be? Uh, taking you to school, the Hell's Gate submission, <laughs> I would say, Snake Eyes, and who could forget the Tombstone Pile Driver, baby? Those are Undertaker's greatest moves. Okay, so here are my romantic moves that I think the Undertaker oh. would do, okay? Oh, okay. And I'm combining this on my knowledge of both the Undertaker and my knowledge of being a boy, okay? So here we go. Okay. Number one, spitting. That's obviously spitting on the ground, spitting near other people's shoes, showing that you're like a badass, but like you're just playing or anything like that. That's cool. Particularly if it's a double points, a tobacco spit chew. That's like really sexy and cool. Uh, Mm -hmm. Number two, orchestrating a kidnapping to conduct a black wedding. (laughs) I mean, every girl dreams of her her wedding day, you know? Yeah. You know what? I wonder... it's kind of like married at first sight, isn't it? The way Undertaker married Stephanie, because it wasn't the first time he laid eyes on her properly. I mean, pretty he much kidnapped her, mm-hmm. and then he married her, like, mm-hmm. you know. And then it all fell apart once Boys Night. Yeah, came it on. didn't last. Number three, revving motorcycles with his rowdy friends. Okay, <laughs> girls like that, guys like that, everyone likes that. 
Number four, being kicked in the balls and going boom. <laughs> okay, that's the one that would win me over yeah. for sure. And if not, there's always the nuclear option. A romantic bike ride to the desert. But I want you to leave enough tank <laughs> gas in that sake. desert to only get us halfway back to where we had brunch earlier on in the day. <laughs> it's 150 degrees. You've not got your Monzo card and they're looking for payment. <laughs> what are you going to do? Sake. So we cut to 2017 where Mean Mark is just checking in with Vince to see how things are going. Come on. Oh, no. His contract's expiring, and they need to negotiate, like, what kind of role he's going to have now. Is he going to be a spokesperson now that he's not a wrestler anymore? Oh, come on. Cross the line, Undertaker. You and Bram could tear it up at Bound for Glory 2K17. He's very naive here. Is he? Or is him going like, do you think you want me to wrestle? What do you think? You're the Undertaker and you feel good. He's going into this meeting and he's saying beforehand like, yeah, I don't see myself getting in the ring again. I don't think I'll have to. I think Vince is going to want what is best for me. Like none of these things that you are kidding yourself, dude. Of course he's going to ask you to come back. Of course he wants you to wrestle again. He doesn't really have what's best for you in mind. He wants you to wrestle at WrestleMania like he always fucking does. I was not expecting when watching this documentary series to come out with like worse opinions of certain people. Like I figured with Vince McMahon, they're going to show me him crying and him being sensitive. And I kind of, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll feel him as being like, with the context of certain people, he is more human than I'd like to admit normally. Mm-hmm. But when Taker here, I felt so fucking bad for him. And he's like, the thing I know about Vince is he's like his TV character, only times a thousand. And man, I can't count the number of times where I'm like, I'm really angry about how things, I don't like how, how this is happening. This is wrong. And I go in there to Vince and boy, I come out and I didn't get to say a damn word I had planned nope. to say. And, and he's like, he's real good at manipulating me. Like, Jesus, yeah. man, come on, like- you're the Undertaker. Don't fucking take this shit. That's it. All the talking heads in this. Everyone's talking about Undertaker and Vince's relationship and like how, oh, their relationship is a very special one. He doesn't just treat him like he treats all the other superstars. And then you find out shit like this where Undertaker says that he's given up on strategizing for meetings with Vince because he never gets to say what he wants. He never gets his own way. Vince is a mastermind of convincing you to go along with something without you even realizing that he's manipulated you. And even when he goes to this meeting now, he has to fucking sit in Vince's office and wait for him for like an hour and a half like everyone else does. He doesn't have a special relationship. On a Saturday as well, this fucking power play bullshit. Honestly, Adam, it really reframed a lot of what I thought about The Undertaker in like in a much more sympathetic light in many respects because now we all had this great image in our heads and I think there's a few times it's come up, it came up in you know, Survivor Series, WrestleMania 14, the, the great story of Undertaker being back there, sat in gorilla position, taping up his fists, just mm. in the off chance that Shawn Michaels doesn't want to do business and try and fuck up the company. And he has rightly so been given the moniker of being like the most loyal guy or the guy who will mm-hmm. always stick up for the company or stick up for what's right. Conscience is what they want to say. Mm-hmm. But like, how much of it is that he's the most loyal and he's the most strong-willed or has everyone's best interests together? He's the, the big tree everyone can get shade under. How much of it is that and how much of it is actually... He's the guy who'll put up with Vince's shit the most because he gets the Vince shit exactly the same. This fucking Saturday, wait for Vince. Yep. He's in the gym. What the fuck is yep. this? Like, are you... So rude. The... You've got a meeting fucking scheduled with The Undertaker and you're going to go work out for a few hours. You're not you fucking meeting dick. Jesse Ventura in 1984. The mind games can stop, <laughs> all right? You're meeting The Undertaker. Have some fucking, yep. like... 
Ah, I don't know. I like Michelle's like there's a reason why he called his son Gunnar Vincent. So like what after Gunnar from TNA because he's such a great wrestler. Is that <laughs> it? Cross the line. Come on, guys. I I hate this so fucking much. I really feel bad for Undertaker here. Like genuinely, I feel like he's been convinced that he has this magnificent special relationship with Vince. And outside of us seeing a few more hugs with Undertaker than we usually get to see Vince hugging people, he still seems to get the same fucking treatment that everyone else gets. Like, the same manipulation, the same mind games, the same bollocks that Vince makes everyone put up with. Big Show says that they're like war buddies. Brett said Mm. that he was the only one who ever really stood up to him, which I think that that carries weight with it, you know? Kane says that Vince will never forget his loyalty to him in the 90s. Mm. And then Vince says, he was my most loyal performer. And for some reason, there's a shot of Vince McMahon with Macho Man Randy Savage when he said that. As if to say, (laughs) this is not a loyal performer, you know? Fucking rude. Yeah, I don't think he's like, Vince is like my dad. He's my brother. I'd take a bullet for him. If he took a bullet for me, I'd take it out and put it inside me instead. Now, the only thing I can possibly imagine that we aren't seeing, because they only gleam over it here, is like we mentioned before, they reference Undertaker going through personal problems and tough times in his personal life. Oh, yeah. They did a hyperbole here about it, though, right? How they call it? Harrowing personal issues, they described it here. But, I mean, we don't know what that's referring to. All we know is he had a divorce. For all we know, there could have been some way more serious shit going on in Undertaker's life, and maybe Vince was instrumental in helping him through that, but they won't tell us what exactly happened. And whatever it is that happened doesn't really excuse the way that Vince treats Undertaker the rest of the time, in my opinion. No, you're kind of, you're opening the door a little bit, but we're not seeing through enough to actually fully get the whole picture and understand it. Like, I don't think... Those things that we mentioned there, I don't think they're necessarily in complete contradiction with each other. It just seems that way because you've just been given these little like snippets of information about their relationship mm. that seem to be kind of almost in conflict with each other. I mean, when he talks about his harrowing personal issues, the closest we get is a few shots of Phantom Taker being sassy. Yeah. Like, you know, he's, he's being like, ooh, you know, like when they would do when they talk about Randy Orton, it's like Randy Orton was not a good employee and it's like him fucking snotting on a kid or something. <laughs> <laughs> The shot of Undertaker and Vince in like tears of joy going through gorilla position together, mm. like that, that really was touching. It, did, I mean, there is something there. I feel Vince has that cult of personality that he draws other people in. That even yeah. when you can criticize those relationships, when I see them, I'm still like, oh, mm. how many times have we talked in this podcast to others about? The father-son relationship that yeah. Vince likes to foster. And that's it. And let's let's be clear, just because we're criticizing these relationships, it doesn't mean that there is no love on Vince's side. Like Vince clearly loves him. Like No, there is, obviously. And we've heard plenty of stories about Vince getting emotional and choked up. Like he cried when CM Punk walked out. And you see him like tearing up here, just thinking about the Undertaker. He is Definitely an emotional and loving man. I just don't think that he loves Undertaker the same way that Undertaker loves him. And I don't think it's a mutual relationship like he thinks it is. Yeah, well, someday you'll be thankful for this scary love. (laughs) So, yeah, here we go. Fucking Saturday meeting. Fuck off. I wouldn't even meet The Undertaker on a Saturday, and I would love to meet The Undertaker. (laughs) Okay, here's how it's going to be, Vince. I will train, and I will only appear at WrestleMania if someone else gets hurt. Are you that fucking naive? Are you serious? Like, do you think that's Brock Lesnar, Triple H, like, oh, yeah, we'd like to be at WrestleMania, but only if someone gets injured because we don't want to take up a spot. You're taking a spot. Did he say that? I didn't catch yeah. him. 
He did. Damn. He said, that is naive. I will train and I will only appear if someone gets hurt because he thought it was too late now mm. to come at him and say, oh, right, yeah, I'll be involved then. I don't know. It seems cripplingly naive. Yeah, because do you, do you really expect that if you do all this training and get back in shape and get ready and then WrestleMania comes around and they're like, actually, everyone's fine. We don't need you. Do you think you're going to handle that well? Like, I know that he would be devastated by that. He wants to wrestle. And I guarantee you as well, Adam, that him saying that to Vince or framing it that like, I want to come back, but kind of cap in hand, don't want to take anyone's spot, mm. being humble, all that. Guarantee you that's why he got the two minute match as opposed to the yeah. much, much longer yes. match he prepares for. Definitely. This bit here, which is like, I paused, I spent a good half an hour just like, I had a cup of coffee and started pondering about this and just trying to think like, wow, like it's it's Machiavellian stuff mm. from Vince. I don't fully know how conscious he is of how he manipulates people because I think there are people who can just do that. You know, they don't manipulate people and they don't even realize it. They just get people to do stuff yeah. around them just because they're a charismatic person or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But Taker says that he relays to Vince, he goes, my tank is empty. Mm. And then Vince replies back to him and says, your tank is empty. Yes. Taker basically says that he's surprised about how he's reacted because usually Vince is the one to like hype him up. And this time, he doesn't. And it's so unbelievable that Vince wouldn't hype him up. It, like, almost hypes The Undertaker up so that he wants to <sighs> to prove that he has something left in the tank, even though both him and Vince have agreed that he has nothing left in the tank. Yes. Again, this is what I mean. Like, if they have this really incredible, special, personal relationship, he shouldn't be leaving meetings with Vince being all fucking rattled and shook where I'm like, I don't know what just happened. I'm really taken aback by what he said. Undertaker being susceptible to reverse psychology is a character-breaking moment for me there. (laughs) Hell, I don't even want there to be an end of an era match. I don't care if you bleed at all. Whatever, man. I'm out of here. He shows up. Hey, Undertaker, this bloodmobile's full of blood, but I don't really want you to bleed. I'd actually rather if I myself. I've bled before. I'll bleed again. I'd like to bleed again. It's a very pivotal moment for me. I'll show you. Give me that ceremonial dagger. Four months later, it's the Royal Rumble. And Undertaker's here, and hopefully no one will notice him because he's in camouflage. So, you know, hanging down low. So he's backstage at the Rumble because obviously Michelle is going to be part of the first ever Women's Royal Rumble. So he's just here as an audience member tonight. He's part of the friends and family yes, and team. Michelle is part of the team of women who they decide to get to have the shine in that match. And yep, that was Michelle McCool's match, folks, for whatever fucking reason that was. So weird that that happened. Women's Royal Rumbles have been a, a mixed blessing, I say, to yeah. put it mildly. So yeah, Undertaker, he's just here to support Michelle and to shrug an eye roll at people when they talk to him about WrestleMania. He is pretty much straight up offered Cena. And he's like, again, I think that dooms him. It's like, you hesitate about getting Cena, the top star in the company, you're done. You're Mm -hmm. not going to get your 45 minute encounter. No, you're getting a tiny segment at best. And he says, you know, it, the thing that made him say yes and change his mind is that he rewatched 33 at that point, and that's what makes him want to go mm-hmm. have a match with John Cena. I, I just, mean, when he rewatches the WrestleMania 33, he's like, yeah, the problem is, I just, I had one match too many. Better have another one then in that case, like, make it better. Also susceptible to the sunken cost fallacy is, is Mark Calloway. Yeah. Look, rewatching WrestleMania 33 made me want to do things as well, except instead of making me want to go back on my word and wrestle again, it just made me want to lie down, you know, and have a break. Oh. It's fucking horrible. 
Oh boy, Undertaker says that he wants to make sure the match is really good because the last one was not, and I quote, Undertaker-esque. <laughs> please, please make that a catchphrase. Please. Please, it could be the new Fergalicious. <laughs> oh, I don't know, Triple H, because when we get to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and my hands are dripping in blood, it won't be very Undertaker-esque when I lay some soup bones in you. <laughs> Wait, that won't be Undertaker-esque. No, because you wouldn't want to disrespect the, the blood that way. Like, you're going <laughs> to smear off, get all the money you can from it. Oh no, they're still not clean. <laughs> Undertaker's preparations involve him creating the ring from scratch. Love that. This is cool. They get an old jet ski repair shop. You see like a montage of them cleaning it up. It needed some proper like Red Dead 2 house building music. We worked so hard to build a little ring together. (laughs) It was so cute. Them like all working together as a team to make his little training camp. It was like DIY SOS. They're like, we're here today with Mark. And Mark, unfortunately, had to leave his job and under not the most <laughs> ideal of circumstances. He's really been struggling with Michelle to make ends meet. Their faith has been their bedrock through all of this. And I'm going to go cheat on my wife. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Somebody stop me. <laughs> it was very, very cool to see him in the ring going from, uh-oh, can't do this, to... Maybe I still got it. I mean, look, I like seeing the old gunslinger come back. Unforgiven's one of my favorite westerns. Yo, oh, I like yes. This. Yeah, yeah, I remember watching this on Instagram and sending it to you being like, look at fucking Booger Red move. He's back, baby. That's it. No matter what you say about Undertaker, you cannot watch this and not be moved by seeing this old man get his confidence back and prove to himself that he actually is a lot better than he thought he was. And he looks good here. He's fucking hitting the ropes real hard. My favourite thing is he's not been dyeing his beard at this point. So you see yeah. him with a white beard and he looks badass. I wish he would do that. There's that bit where he's like looking into the camera. He's like, I still got it. And I'll see you in New Orleans. He's like, doing the tongue in the eyes. Drops 30 pounds down from 315 to 285. Well, that, that promo that he cuts into the camera there, this has become one of his new mantras. Like They bring it up so many times throughout the series now. He looks in the camera and he says... I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. And I've, I've Wait, been what? trying to get my head around it. Yeah, I know. Because he, he it's keeps like one saying of those, it. Um, it's, it's like the picture where it's like all different perspectives. Like, hang on, no, hang on, no, hang on, hang on. What? What? So he isn't as good. Right. Let's put it. Let's put it in different words and okay. see if we can pass it. He isn't as good as he used to be. Okay. But he is as good once as he ever has been. No, I, I, I still don't get that. I still don't get that. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay, so let's try and break it down further. He is no longer as good as... He's no longer as good at wrestling as he used to be in the past, right? Okay. But he's as good at wrestling one time as he ever has been, Kevin. So are you telling me he's got one more in him is what he's trying to tell us? He can do one more match at the caliber of any point in his career now no no that's it all right and this is the caveat he can do one more match once (laughs) (laughs) 
He's looking good though, baby. He He's is. making across, you know, run them ropes. That's exactly that's the measure of a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Like you can probably have no moves and run the ropes well and do a car wheel, and I'll give you five stars. <laughs> like, but Taker, he's dropped a lot of weight. He's down from three fifteen to two hundred eighty-five pounds. It really reminded me of like Rocky Balboa, where they're like, "You got no gas tank left, so it's got to be blood force trauma, you know? cardio, cardio, cardio." And he's there, like, I'm looking around at these posters here. Would you tell me? Come on, you old bastard. It's like shot of the 2001 Royal Rumble poster yep. with Chris Benoit. Like, come yep. on, Undertaker. Do it. <laughs> Benoit and Bubba Ray Dudley staring at him. <laughs> Do it or you'll end up like me. No. <laughs> and Undertaker's like, oh, I've been chased by the demons. Like, you know. I, I feel like the problem with this documentary, maybe it's because Undertaker's not used to being filmed, but one of the things he does in almost every episode is he keeps making definitive statements where it's like, don't, keep promising things like that where he says i shouldn't have been in the ring last year it's as simple as that yeah you can bet your ass that won't happen again and it's like you, yeah i understand that you truly believe that but blatantly that is gonna happen again like obviously <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a spiral here because you're like calling him out and being like i just don't want it to be a disaster and two minutes later he says not, I want to have the match. Yes! I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal the show. <laughs> he wants the match of the night all of a sudden now. Like, Whoa, dude, calm down. Roll. Like, come on. He's like, come on, yo, some bitch, do some CrossFit. <laughs> I didn't think he had it in him. Like, he's fucking killing himself. It's 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. He's fucking training his ass off. Like them cutting in Cena's promo where John Cena, who is the most humble, respectful, disrespectful punk ever. Yeah. Where he's, he's cutting this line where it's meant to be every line's got a gunshot. <laughs> Devastating. Except every line's a really nice compliment. It's like, you're the greatest of all time. You had the best match of all time last year at WrestleMania. Oh, no. <laughs> and now you're out there proving to the world that you still got it with your hot wife. <laughs> I want to come over for dinner. Cut to Undertaker chuntering like, you son of a bitch, you say those things about me. Every line is a compliment delivered as a respectful threat. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, yeah. he's mentioned Instagram stories. <laughs> I popped big for the, the match of the night, which was Undertaker versus Primo Cologne, which very much I was hoping Primo would be like, this is my WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, Primo comes to his little jet ski hangout and he does some training with him. This, I really like seeing this. I like seeing yeah. sort of like, what is it like for an old timer like Undertaker to try and get back in ring shape again? We're seeing it here. And for me, it was like, what is it like to see Primo Cologne work over The Undertaker? <laughs> you know me, Adam. I'd like a fancy book, and I've fancy booked The Shining Stars in a two-on-one beatdown of The Undertaker yep. many times. Of you know, Shining Stars, Brothers of Destruction, in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Oh, no. This spot here, hitting him with the hit, toss the big clothesline, shoving the pan from their mouth. Come to our beautiful island. <laughs> And Undertaker's like, we shouldn't help Puerto Rico. It's not a real state. <laughs> and we're blue uh, here at the caption contest. Now time for a caption contest featuring the man who will be featured several times, no doubt, in this series. Mm. Mr. Caption Contest himself, me, Mark Calloway. It's the Undertaker with his better half. Michelle McHugh. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't get that right. Michelle McHugh. There it is. There it is. Have one. It's uh, Kevin here in the slight future, joined with Adam Bibolo. Hello there. Hey, hey, let's get a fucking caption going. Way. Uh, always a good time for a caption contest. 
Are you surprised at how caption worthy The Undertaker has managed to be so far in this series? Not surprised, because it's The Undertaker. He is one of the biggest sources of comedy in our podcast and has been for many, many years. What I'm surprised at is the amount of things people are able to pick up on from a simple picture. <laughs> like, we, we, we post a picture of one thing and people will find all these details that I hadn't noticed or they'll extrapolate jokes that I would never have dreamt of. And it impresses me more and more every time. I mean, I look at that picture right there now that was on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast, and I just see... I mean, I'm struck between the best pure striker in the WWE and, and the consciousness of the WWE. How would you describe me, Mark, looking here, Adam? I mean, well, just to give a little behind the scenes, before I watched the episode, to, before I sat down to watch The Last Ride, we said to each other, keep an eye out for any caption contest worthy images. And then I got a message from you saying, oh, at 18 minutes, there's a picture of X-Pac and Michelle that we should use. And I was like, okay. I genuinely sat there watching it, waiting for X-Pac to show up. <laughs> but instead, it's mean Mark Calloway with a nice black bandana on and a big wallpapery shirt doing a nice little smile with a full fringe Michelle McCool. I mean, you'd be smiling if the name of your ex-wife wasn't on your throat when you were stood with your <laughs> current wife. Can I make an entry to the caption contest that's just occurred to me? Mm. Make some noise. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, the caption contest is brought to you today by our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash AE podcast where, hey, not only can you support myself, Adam, and Billy Keeble, you can get lots and lots of audio and visual goodies. Yeah, let's just really break down just how much stuff we've got on Patreon these days. Let's, like, let's break it down. Let's break down our Patreon and let's put it into a yearly cycle where it's broken down. <laughs> we attempt to build it back up. We <laughs> shove it out there in April and then we break it down again. <laughs> <laughs> But we started it out as just Smackdown Crawl, of which there are now nearly 70 episodes. We recorded episode 69 Whoa. recently. Nice. Whereabouts we are in the timeline is when Vince McMahon has just returned to find oh. a new Mrs. McMahon. And to say we're having a good time is an understatement. Honestly, we are like right slap bang in the middle of the real, for me, what was the Attitude Era as a kid. And I'm fucking <laughs> yeah, loving baby. it. We've got tons of episodes of The Bibliotech, which is, of course, where we do deep dives on all sorts of wrestling books. Most recently, we did a three-parter on the Pete Gas book, and Kevin, I think it's safe to say that was the most wholesome and wonderful thing we've ever done on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, half the joy of The Bibliotech, and there are a few episodes available for free on the timeline here. You can check out the Bob Holly saga, as well as the Journey Into Darkness featuring Kane. And it's really nice to see, like, you know, behind the scenes in... A period of time we're very interested in the Attitude Era, you know, but also a perspective that we don't typically see. And that's what we like to do, I think, on the mm. Bibliotech is get some books from perspectives you're not you're not usually familiar with. I don't know if you all are familiar with the story about the time Pete Gass refused to let Kurt Angle in his ring. But I mean, <laughs> I've got a newfound respect for Pete Gass and I've yeah. been talking about his commute for many years now. And recently, myself and Billy, we started looking at WWF Chaos Comics from 1999 and we have just recently finished all of The Undertaker's comic books. And let me tell you, folks, they ain't great. <laughs> yeah, that's certainly an ostentatious way to celebrate both an October Taker and <laughs> November. No, Undertober, <laughs> it that's it. Under we didn't even remember it. <laughs> 
and we've also got plenty of video episodes of gamesmanship where myself and Kevin and on a couple of occasions myself and Billy have sat down to look at all sorts of weird wrestling games. We looked at some motion control related games on the Nintendo Wii and Kevin what has been your favorite one that we've done together? That you and I have done together. I mean mm. that's very very difficult. I mean I'll always have a very soft spot in my heart for Photo Slam just because it's the most Kevin Kelly centric episode <laughs> of, of anything that we've ever done. But given that 1997 was something of a, a real surprise in terms of how much I enjoyed it, I didn't think, given how little fun we'd had actually playing it in the past together, I don't think we'd have as much fun as we did doing Warzone for PlayStation, mm. where we got to watch all of our favorite stars of the 1997 era, half asleep. And it was such an exhilarating and thrilling time that we ended up playing Here Comes the Pain for the second half of the video. There's always little bits and bobs you can expect. We've got a crossover series with How To Wrestling called The, the Big Show Show Show, where we review all of Netflix's ill-advised series with The Big Show, Paul Weiss. We've also got random one-off episodes like Christmas specials or things like our review of WWF Aggression, or as we've now agreed to do, our upcoming review view of chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored oh, water oh thank you yeah I mean, there's always gonna be stuff as well i mean there's also a video episode where adam does the making the game food and workout routine mm -hmm. for an entire week so don't forget cardsmanship as well where myself and kevin sat down and we opened a shitload of sealed cards from 2001 <laughs> needless to say there is an awful lot of content there and it's always a good time and we really appreciate everyone who supports us we keep the main podcast free we like to give out some content from the patreon feed on here as well but we always make sure there's more than enough for our backers and patreon thank you everyone who supported us so far and here's to another amazing year on patreon well adam let's have a look at some dirty captions you've got some here over on the twitter i've got some over here on the facebook at a podcast on twitter facebook.com slash attitude era podcast on the facebook bear in mind folks this is undertaker in a very big very strange looking shirt with michelle mccall keep that in your mind he's, all right he's i, I would say he's for visualization purposes for the UK, I would say he's post-peak James May. <laughs> the downward years. When did James May peak exactly? Oh, uh, I'd say once you know, once he got into the second or third series of that one where he took apart guitars and stuff, felt like he was bored with <laughs> life. We're going to kick it off with one from a longtime listener, a longtime friend of the podcast, Lizzie, who says, "No, I know you'll be loving this shirt right here." <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with that because when I saw that, I literally put my hands in the air. Like, you know. <laughs> Good one here from Jamie McDonald over on Facebook. That one couple from high school that goes to the pool hall every Saturday night to drink five Coors Lights and put $30 worth of country music on the oh. jukebox. <laughs> Somehow that resonated beyond America yep. into Scotland and Northern Ireland as well. Good job, <laughs> Jamie. Go on here from <laughs> Cereal Box 64. TK Max. <laughs> I like your, your your sound effects there because it sounds like Undertaker's coming to the ring in 2001 on a crisp autumn day. <laughs> we got Harry Green here. This is fucking beautiful. This version of the Undertaker, instead of being powered by an urn, is powered by a sign that says "Live, Laugh, Love." <laughs> <laughs> Future Dizzy says, and she was the only one who could turn this old dead man ink into a wed man ink. <laughs> well, now, 
That's not true, though, is it? Because She's uh, not the only one, mate. Not the, not the only one there. You can't be first, but you can be last. You can take the Sarah off the throat, but you can't take the... Uh, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Chris Lynch here. Undertaker and Michelle offer their date at Nando's. Now, deep fucking take here. I know that we spent our first season... You know, confusing and intriguing our American and Canadian mm-hmm. listeners. But Nando's, what's that? Why are you talking about it so much? And now here we are, later on, many years later, talking about specific branches of Nando's mm. in, in Edinburgh. We're getting but into it. Chris did attach here that Nando's in Edinburgh here for Friday the 13th put the hat, the coat, the gloves <laughs> on <laughs> table number 13. <laughs> the scariest day of the year a throwback to when the undertaker dropped by nando's lothian road last year congratulations on your 30th anniversary consider this table and then in special font permanently reserved so there you go now when the lockdown stops obviously a lot of these tables that have been permanently reserved for retiring mm. wrestlers are going to have to go for paying customers <laughs> you're going to need to fill that twice to turn a profit got on here from alice my partner who wrote in saying straight guy but sorry, I'll do this in Undertaker's voice. <laughs> sorry, I'll do this in Alice's voice. <laughs> I'm Alice. This is what I do. Recurring character, Alice. <laughs> Straight guy, bisexual female, looking for a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Dewania here. So I said to Brother Paul, take only enough clothes for one day. The next day, I saw him emerge from the Motel 6 with rat skin boots and a curtain coat. <laughs> Curtain coat. Love that. He's one skin flap shower curtain away from an Alan Partridge zombie costume here, isn't he? <laughs> Marty Ward here. Don't worry, Michelle. I've gone through a nice, long divorce. <laughs> this is from Jay Roberts. Go, dead man walking. You've done it now. You've gone and brought a younger date. I can't allow <laughs> you to think you could just get away. So turn around and listen up, because I will insist that after jail, you'll be put on a certain list. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Mr. Matt Moskal here, who he's actually decided rather Undertaker is the obvious target in the photo. He's got a obvious. big silly shirt on. Uh, sorry, that fringe from Michelle McCool's not exactly. the obvious target. Come on now. Wait, well, did I just guess what he's going after? Well, you guessed maybe what the subject is, but here's what okay. he said. Why did DDP stalk Undertaker's wife? Bangs! <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is so good. So about DDP cutting her hair like that. <laughs> Keith Porter, luckily for The Undertaker, his shirt wasn't too tight too, Billy. <laughs> Steve Podsedley, queer eye for the dead guy. Very good. I like that. I, although I will say, you know, judging from Undertaker's t-shirts, he could do it a nice long car ride with Karana, though. You know? Oh, th- this is like midway through the episode. This is by no means the finished product by nah, any nah, means. No, no, no. You flip down the locks, the <laughs> child locks on the four-wheel drive there. <laughs> Let's talk about the police for a minute, Mark. Why don't you tell me your thoughts on the police? Hey, hey Mark, have you ever been to Savannah, Georgia? Oh, it's just a long drive from Augusta. Hey, by the way, what are your thoughts on the outcome of the election? Will you respect <laughs> the results? <laughs> Ian McKenna, new season of Tiger King looks good. <laughs> Kevin McCarran, take her. Why isn't your ring gear color fast? I don't understand this. I got them at the same place I buy Paul Bear suits and 
Good lord, brother Paul's in the park. Take her <laughs> up. This I gotta see. <laughs> Liam McHugh. That's my yard out there, and I'm the big dog that wears his mammy's curtains in that yard. <laughs> <laughs> they are mammy's curtains. You they know, really I'm are. pretty sure I've stayed over in like a mobile home that had the exact same curtains as that. So, like, a lot of people are talking about wife swapping here. Yeah, there's a lot of swingers chat here as well. I got one from Zach that says, I've got a girlfriend. She's 33. Cash back. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh, David McFarlane. This is what I'm talking about with people being unexpected in the caption contest. David McFarlane here. Michelle McCool helping pitch in with Undertaker's massive bottle of knee injections. <laughs> and if you look behind him, there's this huge canister of fluid. There is. There is. <laughs> All right. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this one. This is too fucking good. Ed Edward Price, who's no stranger to giving us amazing captions here. Mm. And it's the same faces, isn't it, that we're seeing here. All, you're coming back here now. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same faces. Same faces. And what happened when you left the restaurant? <laughs> he took 29 holes <clears throat> for 29 souls. People of the court, do these sound like the actions of a dead man who had all he could reap? <laughs> <laughs> Occupy Pro Wrestling here, saying it's kind of hard to come up with a wrestling caption for a picture of Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper on the set of A Star Is Born. <laughs> Andrew Zingil here, and for the first time in my life, someone has taken me to school. The school of love. And now I answer to a new Howard power, and I hope this is one streak that never ends. <laughs> Tom Almeida West here saying, all wives matter. <laughs> Boyd Atkins the fourth. The original name for the BSK was going to be the Best Shirt Kids. And then Mark walked in with this number. <laughs> Chris Stroud saying, Michelle McCool recently returned from her trip to Agrabah with a swish new carpet. <laughs> Kieran Walsh, you've done it now. You've gone and made a shirt from drapes. <laughs> Sandra Hall here, just really helping us out because we did get a lot of people mentioning like it's like american gothic and whatnot yes uh, f fun art fact did you know that the famous painting american gothic is a farmer and his daughter not his wife oh didn't know that oh no you tell me the farmer was in the dell the whole goddamn time <laughs> <laughs> oh of course dave scott my wife <laughs> <laughs> Jack McGregor, Ricky and Lucy are looking pretty great since they left <laughs> Sunnyvale. Fuck off, that is too perfect. Oh my <laughs> fucking god. What, Lucy working down Hortons again? <laughs> Byron Lockhart, I am American Bad Dad. No. We have no reason to believe that. No, no evidence to suggest as much. Justin Hofstetter, all Undertaker needs is a parish E of himself on his shoulder to complete the pirate look. Come on. A parody of himself. A parody. Are you ready, kids? Goom. <laughs> I can't hear you. Goom. <laughs> Joe Moore here. Another one which... You, say what you see, Joe. Check out my wife's jetpack. <laughs> 
I like this. I like that people are paying attention to the full picture. And also from Chaz Porch here, we're going school parents evening. <laughs> that is accurate. You gotta watch out for those couples, let me tell you. Simon Butterworth saying, I don't want to look like a weirdo. I'll just take a moo-moo. <laughs> Well, we've had unexpected delights in looking at Undertaker and Michelle McCool just being as normal as normal can be. <laughs> Let's head back to the incredibly normal story of Undertaker, WrestleMania 34, better than ever. It's Wrestling Mania, baby. Mm. And Undertaker is here, and he's the best version of himself since a young Kevin Mann and Mickey Rourke song performer WrestleMania 25. Yeah. That's exciting. That's exciting, and that's also a tall order to live up to. Like, the best since WrestleMania 25, which is arguably the best match of his career. He has <laughs> a great way to describe what we're going to see here tonight. I moved to England in 2011. I mm -hmm. used to live in Scotland for a year, then I moved to England afterwards. I lived in Lincoln, and I became quite obsessed with English phrasing. Things like best of British, proper... <laughs> Full on and straight up are all things I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And when Undertaker promised to give us, and I quote, full on Undertaker tonight. I was like, all right, he's bringing his working shoes here. This fucking black tar Undertaker we're getting at this match. Did you see him giving the hat a once over? He's like, yeah. I'm having that shit right now. <laughs> Make sure this one fits. Kick the tires, Undertaker. He looks so much healthier. He it's does. It's really nice to see. And I had kind of forgotten what we were going to see in a second. I was all hyped up to watch a wrestling match. Ah, uh, yeah. He acknowledged the match that he had with John Cena one time in 2003. Mm -hmm. They had a match with the conclusion. They did wrestle in 2005 on Raw, but it ended in a schmoz. And I remember that match because John Cena was still wearing jean shorts 17 years ago. And he also said of his chances of beating the American badass, my chances of beating you are slimmer than a bus full of anorexic women. Ah, oh, dude. <laughs> Aged wonderfully, that gimmick. I tell you what's also aged wonderfully. His really cool t-shirt of the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump and Mike Pence, uh, the vice president there. Uh, what? It's, it's oh yeah, it's Donald Trump and Mike Pence and they're done like the characters from Pulp Fiction and they've got their guns. What the fuck? I did not see this. They turned Mike Pence into, he was Samuel Jackson, but they made him Mike Pence as well, which mm -hmm. is, all right. Concerning. <laughs> What's Mike Pence's wallet? I say, I say on it, I wonder. But um, he says fire and fury. It's the two of them with their guns shooting, you know? What? I did not catch that at all. Jesus. And I'm not going to say anything about it. No, no, no. Nice... We, we, we've, we've had our t-shirt chat already. It's for a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. It features that president. That president. It features that president. Mm -hmm. And, you know... I could easily see myself having a t-shirt with maybe like Jimmy Carter on it or something like that. Uh, my my friend had a had a garage band called Nixon's Mother and had a picture of Richard Nixon on it. Uh -huh. And, you know, I would have gladly worn that support him at the gig, you know. So it's I've done two Republicans and a Democrat there now. So. There you go. It's balanced. It's fair. Like, like Chris Jericho. All right. It's time for the match of matches. It's WrestleMania 34. John Cena has called out The Undertaker, who, as of show beginning, has not answered the challenge. John Cena sat in full jeans at the start of the show. It's John Cena meant to be taking on The Undertaker from WrestleMania 34. Sorry, but before we get into the match, we've got to talk about his little golf cart, Kevin. His no. special, like, darkness mobile. The golf cart covered in black curtains so no one can see Undertaker creeping around backstage. 
And then when he's getting taken down to gorilla position to get ready for the match, I don't know if you saw this, but his fucking mouth is just wide open. His eyes are so wide. He looks petrified. And I do think he touched on this last time that Undertaker is very much someone that still gets anxiety before his yeah. match. I mean, that's what you gotta. I mean, you gotta. You absolutely gotta. I mean, you, that's how you... <laughs> You can't perform at that level of people and just be completely numb to it. Like, there's got to be some nerve, some butterflies. Mm. And if he didn't, he'd be. Re I mean, you got to imagine the adrenaline that's running through him as well. Like, that man's being open. It's probably just that he's fucking overwhelmed. Yeah, a million emotions, panic amongst them. Doubt. <sighs> John Cena and the Undertaker. I was going to sit us down and be like, right, so let's run through this match. But it is essentially John Cena's five moves of doom cut short, and then Undertaker. Snake Eyes, better than ever, he beats John Cena. And we have Jonathan Coach on a commentary as well. This was one of the most shocking matches of the night when we watched this live, yeah. I remember. Because I remember at the time being like, I thought last year's match was crap. But we'd been looking at like Michelle McCall's Instagram. We were seeing all these things of Undertaker improving, looking healthier than before. And it was John Cena. Like, this is a fucking huge match. Like, this could be a headline match. It's two of the biggest icons. And we've not seen them wrestle apart from one time on some random B pay-per-view in, like, 2005. And Cena has been, you know, having the years of his mm -hmm. career. You know, the last couple of years before Cena disappeared... You know, you're talking about the United States Open yeah. Challenge. You know, so the work with the younger guys, the matches with... AJ. Yeah, I mean, come on. You couldn't ask for a better dance partner. And this match is the greatest odyssey ever, Adam, because I never remember being simultaneously so impressed and so disappointed right at the same time. Like, yeah. what the fuck? This, this really <laughs> felt like a Raw 1000 or an old school Raw kind of thing where it's like, we'll bring out the legend Undertaker. He does old school, he does snake eyes, he hits a choke slam and he hits a tombstone. It's all the things you need to say, like, I've seen the Undertaker now and I saw him yeah. do his thing. But for WrestleMania, like, this is really shocking that they would just throw out such a tiny throwaway match, especially because... All evening, there was such build-up to this. We kept cutting to John Cena in the crowd, like, there he is, he's waiting for Undertaker. Will he be here? And then finally, we get fucking, like, four minutes of action. It's two minutes 45. Two that minutes 45. Yikes. Did you catch how long Undertaker said that he trained for? A 45-minute match. Well, that's it. We got the seconds and minutes mixed up again, didn't we? It was a 45-minute, <laughs> two-second match, I'll have you know, but... Look, the video package here does do it justice in the sense that Taker came out and did literally a highlights package. Yes. I remember being in many minds about it because I reviewed this pay-per-view, WrestleMania 34 and 33, and all pay-per-views since 2015 for the How To Wrestling Patreon page. I went back and I re-listened to what I said about it. And the two main things were, A, I was kind of happy that the standard format for the old guys to wrestle was now taken the Goldberg format. Because yes. This is around the time we got Goldberg and Lesnar, yep. their two matches, which were actually awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was the best use of either man that I'd seen in a long, long time. And it wasn't just a case that, oh, it was just seeing them again because Ziggler and Goldberg is probably my favorite Goldberg match almost of all time, I mm. think, from the most, you know, SummerSlam before last. How, though, they don't see this and have themselves kicking like if you did this match the year before when undertaker was hobbling fine but the thing i said in 2018 was he'll never be that healthy again and that stuck with me because he has not yeah. been that healthy since and to say that he gave up it's not fair to say that but no. he certainly didn't feel like 
they were going to reward this level of CrossFit 30 pound drop to fight the ages, to fight time. Yep and kill yourself to have a match. That's it. I feel bad for him because it was fucking miraculous. The 12 months difference in this guy. You think it was only 12 months ago we had that hideous match with Roman. And look at him now. He looks fantastic. He's moving brilliantly. And he's been fucking busting his ass. And yeah, he gets this five-minute match. So it must be really fucking hard to motivate yourself to go through all that again if they're just going to give you this. You did the video for, for us, I remember, because there was the section where Michael Cole kept screaming, better than ever, better than ever, better than ever. <laughs> better than, I mean, in, he's been better than he had been in a lot in the last few years, for sure. Well, he's he's not as good as he once was, let's say. But I would say that he is better than ever once than he better than ever has been in the past. Yeah. Look, He's better at going out in a shield once than he has ever been. I'm just like, Michael Cole screaming better than ever and over and over mm. again. And like, this whole, like, you know, we're never going to age. Everyone's going to be your fave forever. Yeah. And, you know, this is before they had realized, hey, we can do things like, you know, cinematic matches to really give you that sense of the words. But Undertaker's first line when he comes back after the match, after it being bellowed at him that he's better than ever, is. It is what it is. Oh, dude. It is what it is. Well, he's he's definitely conflicted here because like he's definitely pleased with that performance. You can see that he's happy, that he still feels good. He's not got regrets about how he acted in the ring. Vince is delighted. Everyone's congratulating him. He's clearly Vince should have regrets about yeah. not using more of them here, though. But he's clearly delighted about how the match itself went. And then you see him like sat down taking his gloves off, and that's when it all starts sinking in. He's like well, yeah, no, it was good. It was good, but you know, it wasn't wasn't what I trained for. I mean, I trained for a forty five minute match. They gave me five. Eh, well, you know, and you can just see already the wheels are turning. Where it's like that can't be my final match either now because that wasn't good enough. That was too yeah. short. I can do Mich more. Michelle has figured it out before him. Mm -hmm. Like, and he's there going, you know, we don't sell time. Like, are you sure WrestleMania's got a lot of that on offer? <laughs> you know, a whole lot of that on offer. That's it. This is like right firmly in the era of like six, seven hour WrestleManias, and they gave him that five minute match. Yeah, it's not what you should have done. This is mm. an Undertaker who should have been kept, almost kept for a rainy day because yeah. Jesus Christ. You could have had him do a one or two match series with Drew McIntyre or someone and really Ooh, make someone or something. You yeah. know, just I feel that we're going to look back on this and going to go, that was a waste of John Cena. That was a waste of The Undertaker. And it was also a waste of The Undertaker when he was as good as he was. That's the and criminal it, part of it. Yeah. John Cena, like, he will always be John Cena. This is maybe Undertaker's last gasp of being like, he's excellent again. Look how great he is. And it was a wasted opportunity. Is it because Vince thought that I'm not taking the risk on this guy? Mm. You know, I put him in the main event last time. I stunk the joint out. You know, they're going to have a much better main event this year with Triple H and Roman Reigns. Mm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think I think it's partially that. I think it's the risk of Undertaker stinking out the joint. But also, Vince McMahon has never been massively discerning about like, oh, this might not be a very good match. You know, it's Vince. He fucking likes his Hollywood bullshit. I think it's more what you said earlier, that Undertaker hesitated at first. He mm -hmm. he didn't dive into this idea with both feet. Like, if they'd have agreed on this back in, like, January and Undertaker was really enthusiastic, maybe they would have done more of a build. Maybe Vince would have given it more time at WrestleMania. He would have felt more invested in the match or something. It's the first time I've seen one of these old-timers have a match and then, like, be... I didn't get the time I wanted. Yeah. You know, because most, you know, most people usually get the time they want. You know? Yeah. Did you, did you get enough time, Tyson Fury, in your match, <laughs> did you? 
Did you get enough time to do your, your things? Did you? Good, good, good. Undertaker arrives at the simple conclusion. Better wrestle loads in Saudi Arabia. Oh, boy. Next time oh. on The Last Ride. The greatest Royal Rumble. Crown Jewel. It's all coming up next time, baby. Adam, I am very excited to watch this fucking heinous shit show. I cannot fucking wait. Honestly, dude, I'm... I, I, <laughs> I'm so excited. I could record it tomorrow, man. I'm so jazzed for this. Like, Well, you know what? We'll, we'll continue. We'll continue the series from you we'll go from november to december if you want to as well we can, we can keep it going yeah you know, into january as well you know we've got we've got undertaker buttons don't worry we've got plenty of them feb you <laughs> what did you think of this episode of the Adachera podcast and as always if you're listening on soundcloud itunes or on stitcher or on spotify hey thanks for checking us out Make sure you're subscribed, leave a rating or review, or as always, the best thing you can do is tell a friend or tell one of the many people asking on social media what podcast you listen to. Always appreciate the in-person recommendations. And you can check us out on social media at facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era podcast and Twitter at AE podcast. That Facebook page is where you will find a whole library of video content. We have got clips from classic episodes, current episodes, and we've got little previews from our Patreon content. You can find it all on there at facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era podcast. And this podcast, once again, brought to you by our fabulous backers at patreon.com slash AE podcast. 100% fan and listener supported. No corporate masters or interests here. It's just our fans and us, and we love it that way. And I'm sure you do as well. Lots of content coming down your ears in the month of December. And don't forget, if you're already a $5 backer, bump up to $10 to get access to over 35 Q&A episodes from myself, Adam and Billy, or for a little Christmas treat for yourself. And to while away those lockdown hours, why not become a Dan Severn tier backer? Cheesecake not included, but you do get all of our commentary tracks from all wrestling movies that we've talked over. And for some reason as well, Spider-Man. <laughs> for some reason. That was perfectly valid that we did that. I think we... I think after all the years of not doing Spider-Man, we definitely earned the option to do Spider-Man finally. Looks like we've earned the option to do chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavor. Coming water soon, baby. Coming soon. Coming soon. And don't forget, as always, you can sponsor the caption contest. Easily one of the most popular recurring segments on our show. You can present your podcast, project, YouTube series product, thing, whatever it is, let us know and we can arrange something together and work out how you can get your thing in front of our many, many listeners. Get in touch at attitudearapodcast at gmail.com or patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. And next time we'll be heading deep down to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the beautiful city of Jeddah. It's big, it's hot, it's complicated. (laughs) It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And me, Adam. And we'll see you next time on the Attitude Era podcast. Cast.